Hi, Nate Freight here from Developer Square. I want to use today's podcast to talk about two things that are kind of connected, but hopefully by the end you will see how they're totally connected. First is the news over the last few days that over 300 apps from the App Store in China, the iTunes App Store, were found to be infected with a malware that's been called Xcode Ghost. And then somehow that's going to lead us down the road to some of the cool new app swap nearby features we've been implementing in a very different kind of app store, the F-Droid open source app community repository store. Um, So if you haven't seen the news, it was discovered that, again, over 300 apps, including very high profile apps like WeChat and Didi, the Uber of China, were infected with a kind of malware that... Um, you know, did typical malware things with loading ads and giving access to content or basically doing anything it wanted. Um, but that the infection came from an interesting place. You know, since, since it was kind of all in the app store and, and a large number, at first people were trying to understand, was this um, something that occurred on Apple servers? Was it something that was occurring somewhere kind of in the distribution chain? Um, but it turned out it was discovered that the infection was happening in the Xcode tool chain itself. And it's a mixture of kind of social engineering with kind of opaque proprietary tools. So what happened is that since many of these developers are based in China and sometimes downloading from servers outside of China, if you can get to them at all, is quite slow. And all of that combined to an opportunity for someone to socially engineer, to trick all of these people, to download a different version of the Xcode software from a different place that was not an Apple server, that was a server hosted inside of China and thus faster. And the version of Xcode was not an upgrade or some sort of China-specific version, but it was a version that had a its own malware installed that modified uh, applications or source code, I'm not quite sure yet, to include this virus so that when you were compiling the code into an app before sending it to Apple, it would change the code and change the binary such that this malware was present. So this is the realization of a nightmare. You know, you might have the dream of showing up naked at school or, you know, falling off a mountain. Uh, My dream is that, you know, developer tools are compromised by malware. Uh, We talk about it a lot, Um, Hans uh, Steiner, HC with Guardian Project and others at um, projects like Tor and F-Droid. We talk about developers being compromised at the development compile time. Um, And people kind of scratch their head and think we're just being a little paranoid. But in truth, you know, if once you start securing all the other pieces, you know, the app and the code and the protocol and the app store, the the only thing left is either, either the user, and we know that users are targeted all the time with malware or the developer you know we're the two (laughs) ins and outs of this uh, formula and we are the weak point and in fact so many developers really aren't careful with their development systems they just uh, use the same laptop for surfing the web and social networking and playing games as they do for compiling code and building software that they release to millions and millions hundreds of millions of users perhaps now, I hope companies like Tencent, who are behind WeChat, um, you know, they have a better workflow, but apparently they don't. You know, at, at some point, whoever's responsible for the iPhone version of WeChat downloaded this incorrect version of Xcode and didn't bother to check it or realize it wasn't correct. And somehow 
compiled code or worked on code or built the binary that led to this uh, malicious version being put into iTunes App Store. So that's pretty crazy, right? Someone at that level who has, uh, you know, probably a billion users by now um, is able to be compromised. And this isn't really about kind of security apps or banking or finance or anything serious. I mean, these are just a random collection of apps, whoever they could get to compromise so that, you know, the attackers could then gain control of the users of those phones and, and monetize that somehow. So what can we do? Well, I don't want to be overly critical of the iOS world because I think, you know, great things are happening on that platform. But the huge weakness taken advantage of here by the attackers is that all of the developer, developer tools and the process for downloading and installing is, is a very closed process with closed source tools. And, it, and anytime you have that sort of opaque black box around something, it's easy to fool people. Um, you know, and if you just say, oh, download this blob from a website, then modifying that blob is easy to do without raising any alarm bells. So we need to have systems where you get your tools from in a more open, secured, verified way, such as using you know, Debian if you're on Linux, or using kind of a package manager, for instance, that, that verifies software. This is what the fdroid.org system does, which we'll talk about later. Or even just having an open source tool chain is critical. So um, this would be less likely to have happened if people would have noticed, you know, it was modified or knew uh, the way to compare hashes, for instance, to ensure that this is an Apple verified uh, install. You know, ultimately, people, though, humans are weak and we're easily fooled. So another important step is to move away from binaries being something built by one person in one point, a single point of failure and move towards something called reproducible builds, where you have the source code available and met multiple people build this code and compare the out output to say, is it the same? And that's really what we wanna to move towards where everything is open source, which is why open source is critical. It's not just kind of a, a statement. It actually makes better security. And, and different notaries can compare the source and create binaries and, and then everyone can trust that the thing you're putting on your precious little device here that has all of your data and information on it is actually what you think it is. So fdroid.org is an amazing open source project and community that actually supports what's called reproducible builds today. They build applications from source code and then they can compare them against the developer's own build and if they match then you're able to you know release the build yourself on fdroid but they also you know build apps and release them from source code. They don't trust the developer to do the build, um, and they have their own way of securing their systems. So that is a step in the right direction where uh, we um, have you know, a network of people who care that this binary is what it says it is before it gets to users, not after. We need to move away from malware scanners and you know all of these things later, and, and as developers take more responsibility, you know, have better process for continuous integration, secure building, offline signing, lots of things that we've been working on for a while and how to make mobile app development um, specifically more robust, more secure for, for any possible application. I don't care what you're doing. It might be the next Flappy Bird, but you better make sure there isn't malware in it. 
So that leads me to, uh, I mentioned F-Droid, and we're really excited about some work we've been doing with them on kind of this topic of open app stores and how users can be more empowered around apps instead of being forced into these locked systems. And that it's really not a sort of, a, again, a issue about uh, kind of a big blue sky crazy tilting at windmills speech about freedom. It's about what's good for users and security and a good ecosystem so that we can all make money and do business and have users trust us. Um, so F-Droid really creates a new kind of app store where the user is empowered, they can trust what they're using, uh, and to extend that, we've also created the idea of app swap. So I was just uh, last week showing a friend some apps that we develop. I was at Harvard, on the, and we were on the Harvard Wi-Fi guest network. The entire Harvard campus, much of Cambridge in that area around Harvard Square is covered by free Wi-Fi. And uh, unfortunately, there's a very large machine outside. I hope that doesn't bother you too much. Uh, so the free Wi-Fi is great, but it's quite slow. And he was trying to download apps from Google Play, and it was really slow and annoying. And I said, oh, don't do that. Let's use AppSwap. So AppSwap is a feature we've built into the Afteroid App Store that allows you to uh, beam apps over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi between users. So what you can do is, I've got my two devices here set up. This is my Xiaomi Note. This is my Moto G. And I can actually go into, uh, on the two devices, and choose the F-Droid store. Wow, it's really noisy here today. I'm really sorry. Um, so I go into F-Droid, and I enable Bluetooth on both devices. And you get this nice app swap sharing uh, screen. And I see uh, my Moto G and my Redmi uh, Note. I can choose apps to share, so I've chosen AntennaPod, which is a free open source app here, and I've been chosen Authy and Barcode Scanner and some other apps over here, so any app that's on your phone. And then I can choose to share uh, each one, so now they're sharing, connecting, this isn't going to show up really well. Um, and yeah, it's not going to show you very well but but what's going to happen and I'll we'll do a full demo of this later is that over Bluetooth they exchange the list of apps they have and then it beams them directly through a Bluetooth connection and the you know tale of the story moral of the story was that that was faster than downloading from Google Play even at Harvard at this premier institution it was faster and easier for you, for me to say here grab these apps that I want you to have and he still is a user of these apps. Maybe he's not tracked by the app store or, you know, but in the end, he is a user and is excited and is empowered. And I was, we had a better experience. So he could also trust that these were, you know, software that I was running on my phone. As a friend, I was giving him that version. So these, that's kind of an idea of what we think an app ecosystem should look like. And again, this malware hack of the Chinese uh, iTunes store is really a monoculture, single toolkit, single app store fail, as opposed to the app swap open win. And we just want users to be empowered, developers to be less at risk, and you know mobile to be more awesome. So 
that's what we're doing. Check out fjoy.org to see what we're doing with AppSwap there and the reproducible builds. We'll include some links to all of that. And keep an eye on Developer Square for more information about and topics and postings around you know, what developers can do to up their game to be more secure, to not be the vulnerable uh, point for, for hackers. So that's all at the Square today. Uh, thanks for watching. And uh, I'm going to go see what that crazy noise is driving me nuts. See you later.